So real quick, before uh, the actual episode starts, ideally an episode would have came out last week. Um, the latest manga chapter, chapter 67 for Dragon Ball Super came out. I think it was not this past Sunday, the Sunday previous maybe, so a while ago. And uh, it was just before Christmas, tough time to try to get an episode done. I was going to try to get a quick like solo thing done. And um, a friend of mine passed away and uh, fucked me up pretty pretty good for a few days. So it also simultaneously uh, kind of set me back with the 12 Days of Christmas thing that we're doing for Patreon. But that's, you know, back on track and all the free stuff's there. If you haven't gone to check out the Patreon stuff, 12 Days of Christmas, super dope, 12 Days of Christmas. Basically, it's just a bunch of previously... Um, premium patreon content is now free links in the show notes go check it out lots of extra podcasts weird lost videos some watch alongs uh some death note super dopes which i love doing uh super man stuff lots of fun stuff so go check it out um so yeah i just i couldn't really bring myself to sit in front of a microphone last week it was just tough to do christmas in general but uh, I figured out what I'm going to do. So I sat down uh, with Leonard and Alex over the weekend and we talked about chapter 67. You're going to hear that in just a minute. And then on the other side, I'll be trying to friggin, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'll be doing. I don't know. I'll talk to you on the other side of this. <laughs> Welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Hope you had a tremendous Christmas. Um, no episode last week, but uh, kind of uh, difficult scheduling with the holiday. But we are here this week to discuss Chapter 67 of the Dragon Ball Super Manga Happy Endings. Dot, dot, dot. And then dot, dot, dot. The cops bust in. I'm joined today by the guy who reviews every manga chapter with me going back for the last several months, my brother Leonard from the MPC pod. How, Leonard, how are you, man? I'm doing great. You know, whatever holiday that everyone celebrated, I hope you had a happy holidays. Uh, for people who are starting Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa, you know. We did find that out that stuff. it's the first day of Kwanzaa today. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I don't have the Dragon Ball do-rag on, but Not I uh, I feel the energy still. So Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny. As you were getting uh, in on the Zoom call tonight, I had my Spotify playlist going. And just before you joined the call, it's like it was your <laughs> anthem, like getting me warmed up for you, man. Dragon Ball do-rag exactly. <laughs> And then joining us this month for our Patreon-based discussion our patron at that $25 tier for some ridiculous reason, man. I don't understand why. Alex Summers. Alex, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Yo, what's up, man? I am great. And $25 because I thought that's how much I had to pay to get on the podcast. That's exactly how much you have to pay every single mm -hmm. time from now on. <laughs> <laughs> we are honestly okay. kind of looking at changing some Patreon stuff around. More to come on that. I think we're going to be mostly audio-based commentary stuff for the $5 plan next year. Because if you didn't check out the Marvel and Star Wars episode that I did with Ant last week, go check it out. There is so much stuff coming on on Disney Plus for the 
duration of 2021 into 2022, starting in just a couple weeks, actually, with WandaVision. I think that's the week of January 15th. And I am so goddamn pumped for that show. And just to see the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, kick off in this, you know, television uh, episodic fashion. Uh, we're going to be doing commentary tracks on it week to week for that $5 plan. So think about it. If that's not enough to sell you on it, we are doing like a 12 days of Christmas thing. We just unlocked a bunch of uh, premium content that we've released over the last three years. Some old super dope video stuff, some uh, uncut podcasts, some really drunk podcasts, some embarrassing videos, some fun videos, toy-based videos, because, you know, Christmas, I guess. All that stuff's for free right now. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. Go check it out. All right. Anyway. It's enough plugs. Chapter 67. Happy endings. I don't, I mean, was it that happy? And then, so we're going to, um, let me just run through this first part of the manga and then we will, uh, I'll get ready to ask you this first question. Following up at the end of chapter 66, obviously 67 comes after 66, uh, Vegeta to Goku. Hey, are you going to let me know where that big final burst of energy came from that let you defeat Moro? Pretty, you know, logical question for Vegeta and the gang to be asking. Um, you know, after they obviously celebrate that their, you know, friend Goku is, you know, not dead and he defeated the enemy. Um, Goku basically responds with a, oh yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I guess we'll find out in due time. Meanwhile, we see the Daikaioshin basically saying goodbye to Oob. And then Daikaioshin retreats back to the lookout to meet up with the rest of the gang and reverts back to his Majin Buu uh, appearance. Um, so Daikaioshin is now out of the picture. The one person that Oob has directly interacted with from the group is now, I guess, back into within the depths of Buu. So everyone's really happy to have Buu back, Mr. Satan especially. Obviously, Boo is very hungry now that he's gone through this. Uh, I don't know. Did he really do anything? Regardless, he gets a big feast ready for him because he's so happy to have his buddy back. The Namekian Dragon Balls um, sort of correct a lot of the damage that Moro inflicted, brings the Earth back to the status quo, revives anybody killed by Moro, anybody, good or bad. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to uh, have a big party, I assume, at Capsule Corp before we are off to this intergalactic uh, galactic patrol ceremony uh, in the next scene. But what I found most notable or um, most enraging, I guess, about this is I fully expected after chapter 66 and Oob's energy to be the thing to get them over the hump. I, I thought that there was almost no way that you can't, that you don't bring Oob into this now to have him be a new character in the gang that maybe Goku starts to train him. Like this is the way in which the two characters meet now, or, you know, maybe we're working toward that world tournament in which they meet for the first time. Um, now that Oob is directly interacted with uh, the Daikaioshin, how do you, how do you let the kid unsee that and just let him go back to his normal life? Apparently the Daikaioshin just disappears. No big deal. And uh, Goku doesn't really have it concern him more than, ah, oh, we'll find out eventually. Are you guys, uh, Leonard, I'll start with you. 
Are you guys as pissed as I am about them seemingly continuing to kick the can down the road with Oob? Um, kind of, but not really. I mean, I expected it because just like he's a kid. Looks like they want him to have like his regular life instead of how sort of quote unquote Goku kind of walked into that life himself. Um, so I guess maybe they just want him to more and enjoy his life as a kid. And if there's like a like, oh, we ever need something, there's that kid in that faraway region <laughs> that everyone's forgot about. Um, but I mean, I would love, of course, I would love to see more oob in this just because literally oob is one of my favorite characters um of course maybe just maybe they might be saying up for an actual canon so that gt becomes a part of super because that's one of the everlasting questions is like is it canon is it not what are we going to do about it but um i guess time will tell maybe sooner than we think hopefully that uh yeah, so that's a pretty interesting point that I'm going to want to come back to at a later point in our discussion regarding the GT being canon thing. I think that there are tones for this arc that uh, maybe aren't direct tied to, but they're definitely borrowing from an arc in GT. Um, we, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Alex, are you pissed about them kicking the can down the road for Oob 2, man? Because I just... I don't know how you do that. I, you, you got me ready for it, and then no. Uh, I mean, as far as being the piss, I say I'm more so, I kind of understand, because I don't think they're quite ready necessarily for the ending of Dragon Ball Z to happen. I don't know why they're taking so long to get to that ending, but I just don't think that they're necessarily ready for it. So I feel like, Whatever they're going to do, I think they are trying to set it up so that he's at least brought, like he's at least part of the story somehow. So when they do get to that point, it's like gradually there, not just like how at the end of Z, it was just like, oh, here's Oob. And then we had to wait for GT to find out who Oob really was. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point, actually. Um, I guess it's kind of bothering me because they've hinted towards him a couple of times. We've seen images of him, I think, at least a couple times before. They mentioned him once, I think, where he's basically off screen. We see a quick panel of him. I think those might be two separate occasions. I could mm -hmm. be wrong. Either way, it kind of does make sense because when you meet him at the end of Z... You just got to be like, you know, we, uh, he's the reincarnation of Evil Boo. Right. Ten years have passed. Uh, who knows, you know, what the context is for these two meeting. It seems like at the end of Z, it's they've got no clue that this person even exists. Goku seems yeah. to have been tipped off, you know, that he would be there. That's what makes him enter the tournament. But he's not really sure who he is or, or what he's looking right. for. Um, I, I don't know. I guess it kind of does make sense to have some touch points with the character before bringing him in fully with the cast. But when you bring the the when you bring in the God of Gods, you know the Daikaioshin to go meet him, it's it's like how does that, how does the God of Gods not be like, good job, little kid? Let me fly you back to the lookout to meet the rest <laughs> yeah. of the gang. Yeah, I think like with the Daikaioshin, I think they're trying to add depth, more depth to to Ub somehow by letting him have what they say is god powers and these crazy Majin Buu devil powers too so I guess, I guess that adds more depth to his 
untapped potential. And now that you mention it, that's a, that's another good point in that it um it actually kind of makes sense as to why they'd never meet over that ten year period because he's got that divine energy that he can't just actively seek out and sense. Um, mm-hmm. If he did, and that's not something that they really talk about at the end of Z, like how is somebody so powerful out there that Goku didn't you know sense them and track them down? This is kind of a nicely written in reason. Moving on. Got this galactic patrol ceremony uh, to get some. Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars going on in this chapter, I feel, but we have to give the, uh, the people who blew up the Death Star that was Moro some medals in a uh, intergalactic award ceremony. And I forget exactly what his title is King of the Universe. We're just going to call him Octopus Man with a Crown. Um, it's fun to see his character be the guy to you know, bestow the medals on people. It's fun to see Goku, you know, go to shake his hand and, I don't know, grab his junk, you know. Play this ding-a-ling. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. I just, he had to have known, right? You knew what he was doing. You think Goku's a little, uh, Goku's a little curious sometimes? He's trying to, Mm -hmm. uh, he's trying to have another kid and it's going to be stronger than Gohan Goten himself. And even stronger than Pan. It's going to so be a... I've seen what happens when I breed with a human. <laughs> Got to breed with this octopus. See what happens. Exactly. He's going to be a... It's going to be an octopus, and it's going to have a green... It's going to be all green, but its hair is going to be just like Goku's. And instead, he's going to wear purple all the time. He's going to be oh. just like Gohan, okay. but look like Goten, but a squid. All right. You've put some serious thought into it. I'm down. Word. Anyway, um, we get uh, Jocko. <laughs> that was really good, dude. We get Jocko, uh, and his has a really long last name that I did not write down because it was like 55 letters, and I just I can't write things that long. I can barely read, you know? So Let me see um, if I can find it. Do you want to, though? Uh, I do. <laughs> and that's when they give the medals to Goku, Vegeta, Jocko, and then there's one more person that they have to thank. And then in, in the back of the room walks Maris. Miris. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm going to say both just to cover my bases. Anyway, Maris, Maris has been brought back to life. Um, and everyone's really surprised and happy to see him. And he, you know, goes to ex- he goes on to explain that he ceased to exist as an angel. And then we get this flashback scene to a few days earlier when Beerus and Whis uh, are summoned to you know, talk with the Grand Priest. Um, we see them get called away at the climax of the Moro um, arc there, and they get called away to go talk with the Grand Priest. We all speculated, you know, maybe he's really pissed about Miris, uh, you know, using his angel powers outside of, um, you know, angel duties and, you know, basically losing a son. <laughs> maybe. It would make sense for them to, you know, be in some kind of, you know, big trouble. And maybe Beerus is might be maybe Beerus's job is on the chopping block to some extent was what we were talking about for the last manga chapter. Turns out um, that's not really the case. While uh, the Grand Priest was very upset um, about one of his children ceasing to be. Somebody had already come to try to, uh, you know, correct the balance of things on that. Kaioshin went to see the Grand Priest, 
and offered up his own life uh, in exchange to restore Maris's life. So the Grand Priest is flattered by the offer, tells him no, that's okay. Beerus, on the other hand, is pretty pissed off because if Kyoshin had bit it, then he would have too. So I think that's pretty interesting that Kyoshin will forever wield that power over this <laughs> pissed off purple hungry cat. Um, but no, the, the punishment instead will be that they have to, they meaning Weiss and Beerus, have to hang out with the Xenos for the day while their uh, guards, their attendants, basically go hit the, the sauna, the hot baths, the hot springs. Um, so now that Miris has been restored, no longer exists as an angel, but as a mortal, and seemingly will continue to work with the Galactic Patrol, what does the power scaling look like for that? Um, you'd have to imagine so much of what he was able to accomplish as like the top galactic patrolman was because he had these angelic abilities and this crazy speed and power that, you know, he wasn't really supposed to use, but given the job, he didn't have to borrow from those powers too, too heavily. He avoided the radar, stayed off the radar, and then he has to kind of, you know, bring it to another level to train Goku and fight Moro, and subsequently he vanishes. Um, if he goes back to being a galactic patrol officer, I have no doubt that he'd be able to do that job still without his angel abilities. But is he going to be somebody who Goku and Vegeta are going to go train with again? Is he somebody who is going to contribute if another uh, big, strong, moral type level fighter shows up? Is, is he somebody who's going to be able to, you know, still help out now that he's lost his, his angel abilities? Leonard. Um, I think that I would, I would say probably that, yeah, Maris will probably be that person where it's like every once in a while you may see Goku trying to train with him. Um, maybe every once in a while, uh, cause I mean, granted, yes, he is immortal, but it doesn't technically mean that he can still, he can't still do some of the things that he did while being an angel. Um, obviously one of the things is of course, he's not going to have the staff that he uses, uh, as part of the angel duties, I guess. Um, but I feel like he's so good because I mean, think about it this way: Goku and Vegeta, they worked up to the point where they could get to they they could use their um, their same powers to turn into a godly like power. So for me, I feel like maybe Miris may still have a hold on some of those things. Maybe he can't access it currently unless he does a lot more training. But I feel like that may be part of the reason why he's still in Galactic Patrol, because he could probably still do that. Maybe like the upward limits of his ability still exist, but yeah, you know, that ease to tap into them. Like we could probably still see him do some crazy shit that remains like that's one thing about Miris that I think we maybe I was quick to dismiss is like his memories and all of his knowledge. Like he's lived for thousands of years, presumably. Uh, his knowledge of all the stuff of the universe and all these techniques and the fact that he's the person to train Goku to achieve Ultra Instinct, you'd have to imagine that he's a character you could very easily write into it and be like, yeah, how do right. they find out about this crazy technique or transformation or the background on this uh, new big ancient evil big bad thing? Let's talk to one of their buddies who's been in existence for a few thousand years. That's where Maris could come in and fill that role maybe. Um I would hope that he can still contribute on a, um, you know, a big fighter 
power kind of level. And, you know, hopefully I, I talk about it all the time. The, the goal of Super for the last couple of years, I think, uh, starting with the Tournament of Power, was to be able to expand the circle of powerful people around Goku and Vegeta because most of the Earthlings just aren't going to be able to get there. That's why you bring in Universe 6. That's why you bring in Universe 11 with Jiren. That's why you bring back Broly. That's why you bring in Maris. That's why you... So on and so forth. So I would hate to see them bring in a character with this kind of interesting background and then just mitigate him to, you know, useful um, exposition dump. And then, you know, maybe he can step up and fight a mini boss every once in a while for a few minutes and stall for Goku. I guess we'll see. Alex, what do you think, man? What do you want to see for Maris in the future? I mean, I think Leonard basically hit it on the head with Maris. Uh I, I do see him, like, in the long run, you guys described the guy on Star Trek who is just used to show, like, okay, this bad guy's pretty strong. Like, Yeah, me I and Ian like, talk about that war thing, yeah, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like, so throughout Dragon Ball, Goku always finds an ally who was previously way stronger than him, and then they nerf him. It, from Yamcha to Tien to Piccolo. You know what I'm saying? To it, it just threw out. So even Majin Buu. Majin Buu was a formidable foe. Now he just sleeps all the time. So I just feel like, yeah, so with Mirrors, it's a way for them to show that Vegeta and Goku are on another level again. And Mirrors is there to show, like, okay, this bad guy is strong enough to be worthy of their opposition, I guess. Yeah, no, and I think Vegeta's occupied that role for much of the last, you know, whatever, 30 years since he kind of made the transition to becoming a, I guess, uh, anti-hero to now very much a hero and protector of the Earth. Um, so I guess we'll see how the power scaling falls with him. I I hope he's a character we still continue to see because just as easily as it would be to put him into that kind of role, it would be easier to just have him not really show up anymore too. And I think he runs equally as much uh, of a risk with that, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree. I just hope that he they change his hair. <laughs> he does have the most intolerable goddamn hair in the entirety of all the universes. He's pulling a Gohan. But like a fucking Gohan, do it, do it your home. Uh, but a fucking Gohan, do it at... I can't even speak, dude. Do it at home yourself, Kit. Maybe because he's mortal now, he'll have a sense of style. Maybe that was his generic <laughs> angel here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look at Beerus. He's been wearing the same thing for, what, thousands of millions of years? So, right. All of them. Yeah, they got that one outfit, that one do, and they're like, all right, this is it. Committed. Have a redesign. Make everyone different. Goku wears red now. Vegeta, he wears nothing. He wears royal blue. Oh. Sure. Vegeta the fourth, right? <laughs> yes, Vegeta, Prince Vegeta the fourth. Why do you want Vegeta to be naked so bad? <laughs> Look, man, he's got pent up aggression. You, you never know. Maybe he has a heart on every time he's fighting Goku. No, he definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This took a turn very quickly. Yeah. Pause. We got to say pause. Exactly. Pause. Pause on that. Goddamn. Moving on, the next scene that we have in the manga, we see Jocko go back to his post on some kind of galactic patrol ship, and he is doing his uh, 
cyber patrol duties, which I guess are just, you know, internet shopping. He's waiting you know. to get a PS5 like everyone else. Yeah, he knew what he was up to, man. He uh, making good use of his time at the office, that's for sure. Um, and that's when one of his, uh, I don't know, co-workers, I guess we'll call them, co-worker? I, I didn't catch his name. I don't know if anyone else got his name. If you got a name, let us know. Um, that's when one of his co-workers comes over, busts his balls about his internet shopping habits. I'll tell you, man, there is no better feeling than catching one of your co-workers online shopping at work. I used to do it to this one kid I managed all the time, and I said, what you doing? It was like the most gratifying feeling. Anyway, <laughs> um, this Jocko has a similar moment where he gets caught in the act, and uh, he is dragged along for this little mission to the Galactic Patrol prison. And uh, Go- I must say Goku, Jocko's... Um, co-worker Jocko's co-worker comes in and says hey to some of the prisoners that we saw during the galactic patrol or the galactic prison breakout you know a few chapters back we see some of these other villains that have you know we've already kind of encountered he asks them these additional questions on a uh, distress signal that he has received it's very faint and there's a possibility that it is just like a, a malfunction or a misreading on their detectors i guess their their equipment from the um the fight with moro but they go to ask these prisoners in the galactic prison space jail that's it space jail if they know anything about this potential um distress call it's at that point the prisoners kind of hint that they know something about seven three that maybe they were not aware of they ask the Galactic Patrol officers if they made sure that 7-3 was completely gone, destroyed. And Jocko kind of gets a little cocky with his answer. Pretty much something like, uh, what do you mean, make sure? We obliterated him. Real cocky. And that's when all the inmates are like, ha ha ha. You don't know what the hell. You don't know if, if you did it or not. You don't know if you did the job now, did you? They have no idea. Now, there's another additional comment from one of the other convicts. We'll call them space convicts because we're in space jail. Basically, he says, uh, you know, we're not really working with you. Like, we're not here to give you information. You guys put us in jail. You killed our friends. To which one of the Galactic Patrol officers responds, your grudge is basically with Moro. You know, he's, it's not with us. He's the one who killed all your friends. And Jocko responds with, yeah, he ate, straight up killed 7-3. And the space convict responds with, yes, um, he killed our friends, but you just talked about 7-3. You can't kill what wasn't alive. Alluding to the idea that he's not a natural organism, even though we've seen like some kind of technological capabilities within his fighting style. Sounds like he's 100% tech. And that's the little tease. It was kind of confusing and how they um, presented it to us, I thought, but after I read the panel a couple times, it, it made sense to me. At the same time as this explanation is happening, we get the cut back to Earth, where the uh, remainder of 7-3 lives. It's this little tiny organism, little piece of matter. It just kind of folds over and develops into the top of 7-3's head. And before you know it, there's there's a full head getting picked up by 
two little unknown alien types to be brought back to a spaceship. Chaco and his Galactic Patrol buddy cop pal go to check out the scene to see if they can find any remnants of 7-3, but they are obviously just a little too late, so they go to get some cheese instead. So it's pretty much a given that 7-3, which I think was one of the more interesting characters in the moral arc, is going to be heavily featured, heavily leaned on for this next arc. Who knows how long it'll be. Um, this Granola the Survivor arc, we'll see. It seems like he's going to be pretty heavily leaned on. Could be a red herring. Who knows? But are you guys worried that they're about to rehash what I think was one of the more interesting things of the moral arc and the character of 7-3, the abilities of 7-3, what makes him so dangerous is his ability to copy and store other more powerful people's moves and abilities, powers, all that. Are you worried they're about to rehash a really cool thing way too soon? Because I have that feeling in my stomach. Alex, we'll start with you, man. Um, I feel like maybe it's an attempt at continuity. Because uh, the moral arc ended and it seems like very quickly that they're just starting a new arc. So... I'm thinking maybe just keeping some elements the same, maybe with 7-3 and, you know, how Dragon Ball Super, each arc takes three or four different changes. So maybe it's just the start of whatever the hell is going to happen. I mean, you know what? Now that you said that, that's very rational. I'm irrational, so thank you for being (laughs) rational when I'm not. Um, You know what it kind of reminds me of now that I see it in that context is... um, the end of the Frieza arc. We come back to Earth, and all of a sudden it's Frieza all over again, but he's a robot and his dad's here. I was exactly. all about it, but in reality, it was just a front to reveal how fucking badass Trunks was. Or, which, yeah, oh, now that I think about granola. it, yeah. this point might, yeah, this is going to come up on our next point about our next block about Granola. Um, granola block. We're going to talk about how much of a badass he is and dropping all of those 7-3 units, but could be the same kind of thing. They could just be borrowing like the same um, setup and punchline for the end of the Frieza arc here. Like, oh, you thought Frieza was bad, right. before, you know, on Namek. Now that he's with his dad on Earth and there's a whole army and a spaceship and he's a mecha Frieza, it's going to be way harder to beat him. Right, because I panic. Exactly. <laughs> How could you not? How could you right. not? But then you have this setup here where it's like, oh my God, there's how many 7-3 clones? Holy shit. How are our guys going to do this? It, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, did you guys both watch Mandalorian last week? Yeah, maybe. I have not even watched any Mandalorian. All right. I won't, I, won't, I won't spoil anything for you, but let's just say there is a moment where there are overwhelming odds and you get a sneak peek uh, as to how one person by themselves handles it. And then how another person by themselves handles it. And like when you see the first person handle it, that first that person almost dies. And you're like, holy shit. It like raises the stakes immediately. Uh, I think it's probably a similar thing here where it's like you you guys saw how lethal 7-3 was when paired up with Moro. Even 7-3 by himself. Now, the next arc, we're really going to raise the stakes. There's like 50 of these motherfuckers everywhere. Mm-hmm. So what better way... <laughs> to like hype up the next guy 
than to have him come in and immediately mitigate that threat and just shut down all of those clones like it's nothing. Right. A lot of people have been saying it reminds them of uh, the Cooler movie um, with the Big Eddie star. Yeah, Big Eddie star. That's actually, I have a... That's not in this room right now, but that's one. That's the only Dragon Ball Z moose, uh, movie poster that uh, I have an original print of that I have framed. Oh, I love wow. that goddamn movie because okay. it has the best, one of the best Vegeta entrances when he saves yeah, him from Mechacola. That was one of the best movies. I, lo- I love that one. It's a fun one. Um, Leonard, talk to me about uh, your fear of a rehash here. I don't know. I think Alex just kind of saved my opinion on it, honestly. But what do you think? Yeah, so pretty much I'm not really too afraid of a uh, a fear of a rehash because I don't think it's going to happen. I think that um, they're going to go into a little bit more about what's going on within the universe itself. And I feel like we're going to see a little bit more of Goku and Vegeta being part of the Galactic Patrol. <laughs> um only reason why I say that is just because this new character, Granola, we don't necessarily know if he's good or bad, although the intention, I'm pretty sure we're thinking, is that he is maybe a bounty hunter, maybe something of that sort. And to me, I think that is a good aspect because he definitely reminds me of Trunks. It, it, if anything, he reminds me of the point where Trunks officially got to Earth, Frieza Force comes in, they're pretty much going to... Uh, wreck stuff and then trunks pretty much gets rid of all the um the goons and i feel like that's something that maybe they're kind of going back to but they're going to make it different in a sense where they are going to explore more of okay well who is this guy is he part of like a bounty hunter crew or something or is he um is he maybe doing this for money is he not doing it for money does is he the person who may have possibly come up with 7-3, which I don't believe that is, but it, it leaves a lot of questions unanswered, but I'm glad because it lets you think, okay, what is Dragon Ball's next move? Because for most of the moral arc, we thought, oh, it's going to be this and this, but then they cut it off instantly to say, nope, it's going to be a rehash. Yeah, well, well, not even rehash so much as like, you think it could go off in this crazy direction? Nah. It's just going to go back to this old direction. Like, yeah. oh, you think the magic aspect is going to be important? Nah, it's just basically going to turn into a screaming exactly. match and, and a big key blast at the end, as always. Exactly. Um, so I, I think it would it would be, you need to catch up on your Star Wars game, dude, because the Mandalorian is, I think, in all seriousness, um, again, with no spoilers, I think Toyotaro has been watching The Mandalorian week to week. And he's like, yo, Star Wars is fucking lit. And I need to start incorporating parts of that because parts of the season finales or the way the season concluded for The Mandalorian, there's a couple parts where I'm like, didn't I just see this? <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, I swear to God. Um, Anyway, I think that you have a good point in bringing up like, Maybe it is just an opportunity to show off the ability of of Granola and then have us wonder and speculate, like, who is he? Is he a good guy, bad guy, whatever, Uh, which is which is kind of what our next thing is about here. Um, Let's just, you know, jump into it right here. Um, Yeah. A few months later, the people who have the seven three clones, it's a dude by the name of Master Giochi, G-O-I-C-H-I, goat, stupid name. He does remind me of the character of um, 
sorcerer, I believe his name is Hoy, um, who's the guy who wants to release Harudagarn and Wrath of the Dragon. So right. just throw, throwing that one out there. Um, anyway, Master Goochi is the guy who also, he kind of got some Emperor Palpatine vibes, given like his intergalactic like throne and all of his minions on a spaceship. But that's the person who sent those people to Earth to retrieve 7-3's, OG 7-3's head. I love that OG is like part of his real name. <laughs> um, the OG 7-3 head brings it back to them. They download all of the data and make a copy of all of the power-ups and all of the new techniques and abilities that 7-3 had previously learned while on Earth. Including Morrow. Uh, I have to assume including Moro, yeah. Moro, Goku, uh, not Goku, uh, Moro, Miris. Uh, I think he grabbed Piccolo and Gohan, Vegeta. Did he grab Vegeta? I, I forget all the people he grabbed. Yeah, but yeah. Remember, he was like, your final Big Bang is whack. Yeah, your Big Bang attack is not so cool. In fact, it's whack. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. I just supposed to end, end on the rhyme. End on the rhyme. Anyway, um, we find out that They've now copied and downloaded all of that. Meanwhile, um, we 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 see a ship incoming, a smaller one-person vessel coming in, like a like a one X-wing um, coming in to take on a star destroyer or a light cruiser. Um, goddamn, I can't stop thinking about Star Wars. It's the worst. It's the goddamn worst. Um, we see this one character coming in. We're not sure who he is, but he's talking to somebody on an intercom or a, a comic named um, Oatmeal. It's a real thing. A lot of people ask me when the spoilers came out, Oatmeal and Gordola, that's not a joke. That's that's real. And I said, yes. Yes, it's real. I'm sorry. It's real. This is a comic book series with people with names like Carrot and Broccoli and Vegetable and Lunch. <laughs> Literally mm-hmm. just lunch. So, yes, granola and uh, oatmeal. Granola is flying the ship in. Oatmeal is trying to um, give him some, I guess, some intel to, to help him get into the ship. Uh, we see granola board. We see him quickly find where the uh, clone clones of the OG-73 unit are. So there's like, I don't know, at least a few dozen uh, 7-3 units just chilling in various states of um production it seemed i don't think they were all done some of them were like in you know pods uh like liquid based pods some of them were just connected to wire some of them seemed to be you know roaming free kind of um and that's when i'm like oh my god we have to deal with this big ass army you said it before alex the you know the big getty star movie that scene where you see them on the horizon after they just give their all to defeat one. And then you see the yeah. whole line of them on the horizon and they're just like panting. <sighs> and then they're like, Oh God damn it. And then all the cool is just like sl- skid down the hill. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ah, fuck it. Ah, and they just power up. It's one of the greatest moments in dragon ball. I swear to God, or at least in a dragon ball Z movie. Um, I had vibes of I had that kind of feeling like that hopelessness seeing all of these clones. And then all of a sudden granola is like, which one do we want? Oh, OG seven, three. I think it's I dash I OG seven, three. I, okay. Help me identify which one. And he tries to scan which one it is. And in the meantime, he is just destroying all the other seven, three units with their crystals, like just shooting them with some kind of big ass laser gun, I guess. And, uh, 
taking care of business in pretty succinct fashion. Um, which is, is cool. You know, it could be, you know, future trunks coming back and slice and freeze and have to make a statement real quick. It could be that kind of impression they're trying to make, or it could be something worse. I'm worried it's something worse. Um, before I tell you guys what I think, um, what do you guys think about granola? Good guy, bad guy, indifferent. Uh, who wants to start? Uh, Leonard. Leonard. All right. Um, well, granola to me is just an interesting character. He's just this guy that's shown up and he's just like, Oh, cool. I'm, I'm just doing something, wrecking stuff and trying to find OG seven, three for what reason we don't know. And he has like a, like a familiar look. It looks like as if they tried to take Tapion, but yeah, made um... him different. So if you watch super dragon ball heroes, the, eyepiece that he has yeah and the 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 green skin looks almost a little in the hair a little bit looks almost a little bit like actually i can't believe i just said that it's green skin we don't know that it's green skin it's a black and white comic <laughs> i'm assuming yeah, it's I'm green thinking. skin for some reason <laughs> he looks a little bit like zamasu to me but that eyepiece that he wears over his eye um is something that in super dragon ball heroes i think foo wears um he does have some foo vibes from super dragon ball heroes as well it wasn't foo it wasn't Fu. It was the 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 um God, I don't know his name. The buff dude, the other dude, not Fu. Fu's like the leader. It was the guy they were fighting and he kept summoning all the hearts. Bad guys. Was it hearts? Heart. Yeah. Oh, with his stupid Swedish um sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was the goddamn worst. His gravity pull. I'm so happy that we don't really care about Super Dragon Ball Heroes. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, okay, so you think that he just could be? You, you're holding, you're withholding judgment, is what you're saying, Leonard? Like you're not sure if he could be good or bad. You just want to wait and see. Yeah, because it definitely seems like it would be a very interesting aspect to see what his whole demeanor is, like his purpose, what he's gonna be. I think he could be the next big villain. Alex, what do you think? Um, do I think whether he's good or bad? Yeah, is the question. Uh, I don't feel evil like when when he came on the screen. Like he wasn't Frieza evil. Like we just know he's evil, or like Majin Buu pure evil. Like I feel like he's somebody who who might have an objective, and perhaps like he might get painted somehow by being possessed or maybe uh whatever his goal is uh triggers him to be uh, an antagonist to our heroes but i'm not quite for certain i feel him as evil currently oh yeah alex i like where your brain's at too because it would be a good way to set him up as this super powerful good guy and be like, look at all these, you know, look at how positively he could contribute. He just dropped 27 three units by himself while looking for the, you know, one specific one and was real calm, cool, collected about it. He must be super powerful. And then it's like, yes, he is super powerful and a good guy. But now he's evil, like a Majin Vegeta yeah. kind of scenario. And good mm -hmm. luck, you know, putting the cap back on this one. Um, yeah, it could be something like that, too. I think maybe... I mean, that's a very good possibility, but I think maybe they're setting it up where we see him do something that serves the better interest of our heroes. Because, like I said, man, when I saw um, Master 
Gyochi or whatever sitting on his throne. I'm like, look at this Palpatine wannabe looking mother. And then I saw the clones of 7-3 and I'm like, oh my God, that's a that's a hell of a lot for anybody to handle. These guys could barely handle one. Never mind, mm-hmm. you know, multiples. Um, and then dropping him in there and taking out what would be eventually somehow a threat to our heroes, it gives you that sense of relief where you're like, oh, thank God, man. Now we don't have to worry about that. But even though it does serve the interest in the short term, the only reason he's able to do that is, is because he's got, you know, ulterior, ulterior motives for the right. technology that is 7-3 and who knows how he plans to use it. And now that we've seen him without that technology at his disposal, how scary is it going to be once he has it fully at his disposal? I feel like the way he's mysteriously is introduced reminds me of how Miris was mysteriously introduced. Like, we knew Miris was not just some old regular dude, but we didn't know the depth of uh, who he was as a character when he was first introduced with the Galactic Patrol. So uh, the mysteriousness of the character at the beginning of the arc, I see is something that uh, Corey Carl likes to do uh, when introducing a new arc. He likes to, to surprise with a new character that we don't really know what is background and it also gives him sort of a you know at least one or two get out of jail free cards too because you kind of give a character an open-ended background when you introduce them if you write yourself into a corner into into a little bit of a corner you always have that character's you know mysterious background and origins to kind of be like oh things are like this this way and we don't have a reason to get out of it boom this character is going to get out of it for us this way because i never really truly Mm -hmm. defined you know the parameters of where this person comes from and what their powers are. You know, that's just, now, that's Dragon Ball. Now that I think about it, yeah, I was about to say, now that I think about it, that's how every Dragon Ball Z arc almost That's starts. Dragon Ball. We don't know who Raditz is, who is Raditz, then uh, who is Trunk, then um, who is Majin Buu? Like, it, it's always some mysterious entrance. Very true. I don't know. Granola survivor arc. I, what's interesting is that all the promotional material for this upcoming arc says that this arc is going to officially start in February. So what does that mean for January's chapter? I don't know. Maybe we'll just get, um, a full like slice of life kind of chapter on earth where Goku and the gang are just hanging out. Maybe we'll get Goku at home story. Maybe we'll see a Vegeta hanging out with his family story. Maybe we'll see some mashup of the two, but all the promo material said that this arc like really starts in earnest in February of 2021. So um, any predictions for 68, maybe who wants, who wants to go? I think Alex would go first. Alex, you got any crazy predictions for 68 off the wall stuff? Uh, Well, I think we're going to figure out, a little bit more about granola and you know whatever he does on that spaceship and as far as uh the z fighter i call him z fighter the dragon team uh, my friend miss dare fusion would be very <laughs> upset with you right now <laughs> as far as the, the z fighters i i feel like yeah like you said they'll probably just uh have to deal with beer and his wrath for a little while and try to make it up to him. 
That's true. He did at the end of that whole Zeno, you know, playing with Zeno, I'm exhausted, fall down. He does go like, this is all your fault, Goku. I know you saved the universe, but look at what I'm doing now, <laughs> you jerk. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, man. Beerus might come back to Earth and just be like, I'm exhausted. Y'all owe me all the food cooking competition for the rest of the goddamn chapter. You guys will get two sure. panels of granola at the very end of chapter 68. I am Lord <laughs> Beerus. This is the word of Beerus. Forever and ever, amen. Leonard, what do you got for 68 yeah. predictions? Um, Something I would like to see, <laughs> something definitely I would like to see is possibly just like uh, an arc of maybe what, what would be, like you said, like a family arc, sort of. Um, Maybe even just seeing like Goten and Trunks actually yeah, be the yeah. adult age or teenage age they're supposed to be because i mean I, i'm i'm not for one that complains most about designs and stuff but i would like to see a teenaged goten and trunks i do think it's notable that the um there are a couple of different time intervals mentioned in 67 like the time it takes for them to get to earth to the to the galactic patrol ceremony it's like a week and then i i realize a week's not very much but um but then when the granola sequence happens i believe it says a few months later exactly yeah that it starts with the phrase a few months later so maybe next chapter we do get that flashback to a slice of life you know earth story but it's you know, in line with the granola story. Um, or are we about to get a chapter that happens like completely entirely before any of the granola stuff happens? And it's like, forget about that shit. Here's a stupid story to fill it, hold you over for a month. Ugh, who knows? I think maybe like we were saying earlier about them eventually getting to the end of the, maybe we can pray we get a two year time skip or something to get us you know, a little closer to, to have where we need to, to have be. Goten and yeah. Trunks grow uh, three years right. and six inches. Exactly. Probably That's way more than six inches, probably like a foot and a half. They are very short people. Short people that can't be for that. <laughs> no, no Randy Newman fan? All right, oh, so that's... Uh, you, uh, my favorite Randy Newman song is the song that he doesn't sing himself in that Family Guy bit. Oh, yeah. About... <laughs> Fat husband walking over. So that's going to do it for our chapter 67 conversation. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. If you got to the end here, hey, good job. I appreciate you. Uh, Make sure you rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, those places. YouTube.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. You want a bunch of extra premium content? Patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. And uh, check out the show notes for links to... All of that recently made free extra podcast stuff on Patreon for the 12 days of Christmas. Um, Alex, man, thank you so much for being one of those top tier patrons and joining us on the show this week. How do you feel about your first performance? Yeah, I was nervous, but it was super dope. Super dope. Dude, you did a great job. (laughs) We're going to have to get you a real mic, but you did an excellent job for... I mean, I was going to say for your first time, but for like, honestly, any appearance at all, man, you brought some insightful uh, shit to this conversation. I appreciate you, man. Uh, yeah, man. Thank you. Leonard, what's going on in your world, man? What are you working on with the NPC crew and all that? Uh, we have a new episode coming up. Actually, uh, we're recording it tomorrow, but 
it'll be out later this week. It's going to be like a New Year slash Christmas episode. Um, basically, we're just going to be talking about whatever game news I think we have. And then we have a segment for like opening quote unquote presents. Um, I'm going to be unveiling something that I got Dan literally a year ago and never gave it to him. <laughs> um, he doesn't listen to this, so I can tell you guys. Oh, Basically, fuck you, Dan. I don't even want to make a Christmas gift now. <laughs> um, but I got him. So one of his favorite games is Overwatch. So I got him a poster, and it is signed by one of my friends and who actually works for Blizzard. And so he's signed it. He's got other people that signed it as well. And it's going to be a great gift, and I'm hoping it brings some tears to his eyes. <laughs> Super dope. That's a good gift, man. You know what I got from my friends this year? For fucking pretty much nothing. I think the only people I actually bought for were the people that I planned to see in person, um, which is basically just Carlton and Jimmy. I might see Dan. I don't know. Dan, I didn't buy a gift. Don't buy me one. Um, but Jimmy and Carlton, I just got them booze and like an action figure for like a little inside joke you know because that's how i usually operate with my friends here's some booze you're welcome and a little nerdy thing so uh jimmy got a star wars figure i won't say which one because i don't want to reveal spoilers about stuff on the mandalorian guys and then carlton got a um a funko pop of iron maiden's eddie from the number of the beast album because we listened to a lot of metal in the garage back in the day. That album, Chief Among Them. So if you want to go worship Satan, do yourself a favor. Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast, one of the most metal motherfucking albums of all time. It's also the reason that I go, um, the first track on the album is a song called Invaders. Uh, it's that song and that album is the reason that whenever I get excited about shit, the metal riff that I just automatically do with my mouth is uh, <laughs> it's like a nervous tick I have that I've been doing since I was literally 12 years old. You guys want to hear the real song? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank you for listening to my Christmas uh, Christmas gift rant. Um, it's gonna do it for super dope this week uh i think i already told you to subscribe to the places so i'm not going to tell you to do that again um i might have some kind of thing on the other side of this audio about um my buddy john if that's the case listen to it um and yeah if not though i'm gonna do a singy song send off now and i don't know uh, let's see um Granola oatmeal around the way. Stay
tune called Treading Water uh, by my friend Big John Tierney. Um, he passed away last week at the age of 45. As the name implies, and uh, as you could probably hear from his singing voice, he was a big dude. Um, big in so many ways. Uh, obviously the physical way. Dude probably weighed, I don't know. I don't want to guess. I don't know. Some probably somewhere between three and four hundred pounds, depending on the year, and depending on his health. But he was big in a lot of other ways too. Um, big laugh. Big personality. First person to tell you to go fuck yourself. No pretense to John. He was definitely a reserved person when he wanted to be. Very private. But when he was out and about with people, when he got out of the house, man, there's no pretense, man. I met John when I was like 21. I got uh, booked at this bar. Well, I mean, I was playing around at this bar in uh, Providence. I, I kind of take for granted that I, you know, cut my teeth playing gigs in Providence. Um, was playing at this bar called The Spot, started off on Thayer Street, eventually moved uh, to Elbow Street, much bigger venue, and I was like the young kid, I was like 18, 19, 20, uh, doing acoustic gigs there most weekends, and um, doing like happy hour kind of stuff, and um, 
I got booked to uh, open up for a birthday show for some some of the older guys. Uh, and by older guys, I mean guys in like their early thirties. So um, I don't know. So my buddy Josh put it together and said, "Oh, you don't know Chris and John. You should know Chris and John. Uh, you would get along well with Chris and John." And uh, yeah, man, I've I've been friends with Chris and John ever since. Uh, decade plus later, not really sure if Chris likes me. Sometimes I think he does. To be honest, I'm not really sure if John liked me most of the time, but I kind of just got the feeling that's how he was with everybody. Um. That's kind of why I struggled a little bit last week with how I was feeling. Because I felt weirdly kind of guilty that I felt so affected. When at times I felt like it was kind of a one-sided relationship with the dude. Me constantly trying to get him to come out. Come play a gig. Let's do a show. Anything. He wasn't really a drinker um, in the time that I knew him. He smoked like a motherfucker, though. But he'd go through these long bouts of depression where he just didn't want to come out of the house, didn't want to play gigs, you know, six, 12 months at a time. So I wouldn't even see him that frequently. And I don't know. That felt weird to feel so deeply affected by um, the loss of somebody who I hadn't seen in person in probably about a year and a half. Maybe closer to two years. But it got me to thinking, you know, the time I did spend with him, he was an important person to me. Or I should say, he um, played an important role, I guess. Uh, I got to open for this dude and Chris, and I think Spaga played that night too. All people I'm still very friendly with, but I got to open for John and hearing him play for the first time, I was just blown away. And I remember growing up, like, seeing John and Chris's name in the paper, booking at other bars that I was trying to book at. But it was difficult to book at because I was, like, 15. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I got to thinking about that first night we played together, his birthday show. And, uh... He paid me a compliment that, thinking about it, it probably got me through the next 10 years of gigs, dude. It was after his set, and like I said, he's a big dude, and he fucking, he plays, he plays, he sings, he sings, he does things, he fucking does things. I say all of that to illustrate that he's very sweaty <laughs> when he's uh, talking to me and having this conversation 
And I was like, hey, man, that was fucking, that was great. I can't believe, you know, your voice, like, blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, took the compliments for about 15 seconds that I was throwing at him because I was just so blown away. But I'm just saying shit to him that he's heard a million times, you know. He's been playing guitar and singing songs, you know, at that point, 15, 20 years. So, you know, I'm just paying old, you know, compliments to him. He cuts me off and he goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't fucking care about me. What about you? I don't fuck, I didn't fucking know who you were, but you got some songs too. I was like, yeah, you know, thanks, man. I've been working on them, uh, blah, blah, blah. We got to talk and shop. He's like, whatever, dude, you are like me. And I didn't know what that meant at first. And I just kind of just paused. I was like, oh, I thought he was calling me fat. Because <laughs> I'm a big dude, you know? Um, I'm like, oh, okay, uh, what do you mean? And he looked around at the club and the people around us. You know, a lot of other very, it's, it was very much a musician's bar. And he looked around at everybody and he looked back at me. He's like, me and you, we got up there, we do it because we, we need to do it. We got up there tonight. We did our thing, poured our heart out. We're done. We know when it's done. Some of these other people, man, they're just living this 24-7. Me and you are going to go to work tomorrow morning. And I don't know if it made all the sense in the world to me at the time. But it's something that I thought of, I think about constantly. Have thought about constantly. And it's definitely the first thing or among the first things that I thought of when I woke up to hear the news last week. That compliment that, uh, you know, you're a hardworking real motherfucker who, you know, has some good songs and, you know, isn't doing it for any kind of false pretense. (laughs) To get that kind of compliment from a dude like John. So after um, that memory played in my head when I woke up, tread and water popped into my head because that's a very prolific kind of tune. If you take a listen to the lyrics, Um, and this is a song that he, he, this is a recording that he did uh, with his band, John Tierney, The Truth. I don't don't know when, but um, I had the CD in my car for like, couple years man this is my jam but the lyrics uh when i die lay my body by the shoreline had me carried out to sea in my mind heaven's like the ocean i got all the angels treading water waiting there for me not only is it one of my favorite songs ever written and it's a fucking phenomenal hook but you know couldn't help but think of that visual of John's uh, soul or whatever. I don't know. He was a he was a church boy growing up. I'm told. Um, I don't know. Every time I talked to the dude, I learned something else about him that made me just say, "Oh, <laughs> that's why we are friends or we are alike." 
that's why I relate to you. Even if, you know, it felt like a one-sided street a lot of the time. He's an irritable dude. No doubt about it. I would be too. I had fucking weirdos like me all up on my case all the damn time. <sighs> anyway, um, I, I've never watched the show Lost. <laughs> have you watched the show Lost, Mr. Superdope or Miss Superdope listener? I hope you have. Um, as I was digging around on YouTube last week, I uh, I found this song that he recorded on my friend Dan's uh, old podcast, uh, Sully's Cafe. And I put it on, and I just thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world, the way he starts it. So, you know, what? I'm just, I'm, if you like the show Lost, you're going to enjoy this song, okay? This song is called Charlie's Song. It's about my favorite character on Lost. On August afternoon, I'm in the bathroom getting high. The effing breaks in half and falls out of the sky. Now I become a member of this little tribe here on this island. Now I met a girl, she had a kid that wasn't mine. They needed my protection and that suited me just fine. We lived happy on the beach for a while. And I met Desmond, and he said, Charlie, brother, well, I can't tell you why, but I keep having visions, and in every one you die. I've saved your ass at least a half a dozen times. But I can't be there all the time. So goodbye, my friend. Too bad heroes often die before their time. You know, back at home, I had a band, we toured the world. I did a lot of drugs and I did a lot of girls. Oh, here on the island, I was trying to stay clean. Found a hundred Virgin Marys full of heroin. Yeah, I killed Ethan, though they never thought I would. I didn't hesitate, cause man, I knew he was no good. Now I'm just trying to be the man I'm supposed to be. Just another hero meeting up with destiny. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Too bad heroes often die before their time. Or oh, say goodbye, 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 goodbye. Too bad Charlie has to die. I hope my friends will make it home alive Hope they got my message, yeah, I pray that they survived I pray that Claire and Aaron always have enough that Jack and Kate get married and that Hurley falls in love and Sawyer finds his heart is stronger than his gun Michael is forgiven, he was just trying to save his son I could have had a son, I could have had a wife I gave it all away so that you could live your life and I say goodbye Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. It's too bad Charlie has to die. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Another hero says goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. It's too bad Charlie has to die. So again, I've never watched Lost. 
I'm going to go on the assumption that Charlie had to die, maybe. But here's the thing about John. That's a sad song, right? But you hear him kick it off. And if you see the video, I'll link to the YouTube video in the show notes. Um, you kind of you hear it in his voice like he kind of says it jokingly that he wrote, you know, a song about a character from the TV show Lost. And he just kind of ha-has it a little bit. But he writes this intensely beautiful, profound song off of the guy from lost and that's just the kind of person he is you know constantly downplaying himself uh and um it's too bad johnny had to die that was probably a bad joke to make if he was here he'd fucking yell at me so hard right now uh um my heart is with uh his wife melissa my heart's with his best friend chris hansen his other friends who i don't know his brothers uh, i think he's got a brother and a sister whom i've never met but he meant a lot to a lot of people and uh whether that be in small roles or large roles in their lives uh, i feel like he played a smaller role in my life in in terms of time spent but not uh not a small role in terms of impact um i was very very lucky to call john my friend yeah <laughs> i miss you john you fucking asshole <laughs> Super dope. So now it's over. And I'm just called to say that I don't love you anymore. So don't you look at me that way. Thoughts of vengeance. When you left me black and blue, and I thought of all the cruel things that I could say to you. It's not worth it No, you will weather your own storm So go with God Baby, just be gone And you can share the truth the way you like Stories you recite are empty And I don't look for proof no more Cause now I'm sure That you could not forget me Stories you recite are empty 
Forget me. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, baby, turn off your TV, turn up your stereo, cause I know you hear me. There's some things that you should know. Turn off your TV. Turn up that radio. Cause I'm singing to you tonight. Pretend that you don't know. Pretend that you don't know. Pretend you could forget me. to say that I don't love you anymore. Don't you look at me that way. 